Approaches. Blow the whistle, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, they can't hold a flame against you, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, got the game, it ain't no issue, blowing the whistle, I had enough with you, the championship, it is gone, ain't listen to you, I can't give it to you, cause you don't know what I've been on, this is the coaches, podcast, ripping up everything, off that, what is going on, everybody? Welcome into the Fantasy Coaches Podcast. I am your host, as always, Coach Steve. Coach Chips can't be here today. Uh, he's sound asleep at this point in the evening here. As you guys know, he's an, he's an early riser in the uh, the real-life world, so uh, he won't be joining us. But uh, on today's episode, guys, we're talking wide receiver tiers part three. Um, basically going over some of these guys are probably in the later rounds of your drafts that have upside of possibly be really fantasy relevant this year and maybe uh, give the changing of the tide with a lot of young players we might get into today. So so for our guest today, I brought in a guy who's, uh, you know, amazing in the fantasy world here. Shane Barrett, what's going on, buddy? What is up? I Good. am pumped and ready to go for today because wide receivers are honestly my favorite position. So I love getting to chat wide receivers. And that's exactly why I did it, honestly. Come on. <laughs> I just happened to know that this is why your favorite position. He's like, right, this is the perfect episode for you to come on to. But Absolutely. Uh, now, we appreciate you coming on for sure. Um, since you never haven't been on a guest on our show yet, uh, let everyone know kind of what you do in the industry and where they can find you on social media. Yeah, absolutely. So I am the co-founder of the Fantasy Football Collective. You can find us on Twitter at FF underscore collective. That's K-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-V or www.ffcollective.com. I'm also the co-host of the Fantasy Nightcap podcast, um, which we record Monday nights and typically release Wednesdays or Thursdays. Um, So we've actually got an episode coming out tomorrow. Uh, And then I'm our Dynasty writer for Going for Two and the host of Collective Knowledge, a show to get to know people in the fantasy football industry. Um, So fans, analysts, um, fanalists, so... Just trying to help people get – because I wanted to get to know my fellow analysts and kind of like how they got started um, and more of playing, not even just being an analyst. Um, and so just started the show on live on YouTube because I was like, let's just start asking people these questions and then we do a rapid-fire round. So that's a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, that's me. Yeah, absolutely. That's pretty cool. Honestly, I didn't know you did so much in the industry. So uh, that's pretty <laughs> awesome. So if you guys aren't already, uh, those who tune in tonight, uh, give them a follow. Check out this this stuff, man. Uh, just do it already. So uh, again, we thank you guys for tuning in at some point. I know it's a little late, uh, especially on the East Coast here. Uh, maybe for some of you, but um, yeah, sorry. I, no, no, it's, it's okay. It's okay. I'm used. I'm up anyway, so I, I don't hate it. I'm usually don't go to bed until midnight, so. Might as well talk about some football this late at night. So, absolutely. Watching, watching TV. That's all I was really doing. So, like I said, guys, uh, we're talking wide receiver tiers part three. If you've caught the first two, it's kind of the same way. We basically go off fantasy pros, ADP, and I kind of come up with tiers based off the ADP. Uh, I kind of group them together to some extent. So, uh, going to go through them. Like I said, these are the wide receivers five, six, and sevens on your team guys who could end up being real valuable uh, if you get them late in the right situation. So uh, we'll start right at the wide receiver fives. And that's the wide receiver fives tier. It's pretty self-explanatory here. This tier involves Marvin Jones, Devontae Parker, T.Y. Hilton, Marquez Callaway, 
um, Elijah Moore, AJ Green, and Russell Gage. Uh, and this is an interesting tier because there's some uh, some vets, some risers recently, uh, some guys people probably don't want any part of here. So uh, Shane, I'll let you kind of pick your person here. Which guy intrigues you the most in this group here? Ooh, intrigues me the most. Yes, that is probably. Just because you use the word intrigues, I'm going to go with Callaway. Yes. So Callaway to me is a very intriguing player because Michael Thomas is out for six to seven weeks at a minimum is what we know right now. Um, With it being Michael Thomas, who knows what that could actually be. Uh, Troutman got hurt. I think he's, it's, it's a minor injury from what I've seen today. So he's not going to be out as long as I originally thought, thank God, because I have a ton of rostership on him. Um, but then uh, their other tight end, I think Nick Vanette, who's a, a veteran presence in the league, um, also got hurt. And so there's a lot of room for Callaway to step into production and volume here because I'm, I, I think I'm assuming like most that Traquan will kind of step into that wide receiver one role, um, but because of that, he's going to get the most double coverage, leaving the door open for someone like Callaway to kind of step up. And when we've seen him, he's been really – he's been pretty good. So he's the most intriguing player to me. Now, I'll just, I mean, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll quickly kind of break down my thoughts on – the the rest of the guys yeah absolutely uh, and and we'll go from there i guess but <laughs> marvin jones jr is someone that after watching the preseason is someone that i'm i'm targeting later especially in redraft because lawrence seems to have a connection with him that's Devonte parker right yes Devonte parker yes okay Devonte parker ty hilton and aj green i'm not touching can't stand those guys um parker uh, you mu- you may or may not enjoy this as a Dolphins fan. I don't know. But to me, Parker's breakout wasn't real um, in 2019 yes. because everybody was hurt. It was literally Parker and Gesicki were the only two options on the field <laughs> to throw to. Um, and it took him five years to finally do something, and it took the entire team getting hurt. So not a Parker fan. I'm also part of the uh, the Preston Williams fan club. So there, that's where my my alliances lie in this Miami wide receiver room. T.Y. Hilton, he had a better year last year. He's still old, still has an injury history. I'm not touching him. Same thing with A.J. Green. Not touching him. Elijah Moore, absolutely love him. Um, he He could be a league winner, I think because he's that talented and they're using him so far from camp and and practice the same way he was used in college. And that is moving him all over the field, having him run different routes and getting him the ball in whatever ways that they can. Russell Gage kind of similar to Callaway, I think has a lot of upside and we've seen him perform well in that wide receiver two role when Julio was out last year. All right, I like I like the breakdown a lot. Okay, so if you had to pick between Parker Hilton and Adrian Green, which one of those would you pick if you had to? Oh, if I had to, I'd probably go Hilton. Hilton. Um, okay. 
Because I'm on the same page with you, honestly, when it comes. Yeah, to- I think I would have to pick Hilton with Parker. There's too much competition there now, um, because I mean Preston Williams is still there. Albert Wilson is having a great camp. Um, I think Isaiah Ford. His, I saw a tweet where they're like he basically pencil him. Huh? He got cut uh, on Tuesday. Isaiah Ford did. Isaiah Ford, yeah. Oh. But I'm sure okay. I'll be back on the team in like two weeks because that seems yeah. to We seem to just re-sign Isaiah Ford all yeah. year. Well, that's so. interesting because I, I saw a tweet where they're like pencil him in for being on the team. So, um, But still, those are like the bottom kind of wide receiver three, four, five on the team with Parker. And then you've got Fuller and, and Waddle. And Waddle is, I think, from what I've seen, is going to be a star. Hilton, his whole year and production depends on his health and Carson Wentz's health. If they're both healthy, Hilton could be a steal at this range. Um, honestly, just because he is, he's still talented. He's just too old and hurt for me. And then AJ Green, um, I have no idea what to make of the, the Cardinals' offense. It's like I want, I want Kyler, and I want Nuke, and I want Rondale. And then I don't really want anybody else on that team if I don't have to. Um, so if if you're ma- gun to my head making me pick, I'm I'm gonna go Hilton. All right, I, I don't I don't hate that pick at all because I, I think I would go that situation too. And I was doing some of my research on Hilton. I mean, his last two seasons have been pretty bad. He's also been banged up. He's 31. Uh, but if you've seen what he had over the last two years now, I mean, he's had some pretty mediocre quarterbacks. I'm not saying Carson Wentz is the god given life to fantasy quarterback but the man can throw the ball downfield more often than not uh if ty can just stay healthy uh there's possibility there and as you're if you're getting him as a wide receiver five on your team uh there's room for upside in this offense because i don't think it's going to be just jonathan taylor all day carson Wentz came there for a reason so they can kind of open up that offense so they're not one-dimensional and i think hilton could do something especially with hopefully Campbell and Pittman stepping up and maybe coverage off of him. Uh, That's great. As a Parker guy in Miami, I've always loved him, but he just can't stay healthy. He really (laughs) just can't stay healthy. There's just nothing that I can see him. Is there something in the water down there, man? (laughs) We're not good at drafting wide receivers at all in Miami, unfortunately, but uh, I'm hoping Waddle is the difference maker. But the injuries just can pile up. I mean, he's played, I think, just three seasons of uh, uh, was it ten ten uh, t- three seasons of ten games in a season like three seasons of a, a six year career so he's not likely to play um, you know Marvin Jones I think he's just a solid player that Trevor Lawrence is going to lean on in there because he is the veteran presence uh, yeah hundred percent that uh, on Monday Night Football I mean he seemed to be pretty good he's got an AC joint sprain right now but they said he's fine by, for Week One. Uh, let's see who else is in this day. Elijah Moore, I love him. He's an upside play. Like Shane said, he's a league winner. If if, if the offense go, starts going around him, if he gets that connection, obviously heals up. Russell Gage is just a he's just a nice wide receiver five. I mean, he's a he's a bi week filler that will be good some weeks, and he's, that's really it. Yeah, I mean that he's not exciting, but he's he's a solid contributor. I think to our fantasy team. Totally, totally agree with that. I think the weeks that you do have to play him, he'll. F- he'll get you solid flex scoring um, at at a minimum. I feel like he's kind of a floor guy. He's not, his ceiling is 
is pretty high, but the likelihood of him hitting that ceiling is, is lower. But his floor is still pretty high, too. Right, right. And that's how you kind of want to put it there. Uh, I want to go back to Callaway real quick because obviously, you know, he's had two amazing preseason games so far and he's been raved at camps. The the competition, you've kind of only mentioned a lot about him, but how early are you taking a guy like Callaway right now in drafts? Ooh. And 12 man leagues, you know, regular scoring kind of settings. Um, how early do you take him now with that's this prize? Great question. Um, let's see where he's going on fantasy pros. Do, 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 do. He's going at wide receiver 58, 173. Puts him around 14. 15. Around 14. I'd take him there. I would I might be willing to take him round 12. So, I saw I'm, I saw him in the draft last night go around eleven. Yeah. If I'm it depends on how like this is my cop out answer, but it, it's the truth too. Like it depends on how my, my team is built. Like, if I've got three or four stud wide receivers paired with two decent running backs, I'll take a flyer on Callaway earlier than than I need to. Um, because like we talked about, the, the potential for volume and production is there, and we've seen the talent so far. Right. I, I think I'm on the same boat with you. I think, honestly, personally, I think round 12 is probably the earliest I'll go right now. Um, if you're drafting, obviously, right now, because Jameis hasn't been announced the starter, if I'm not mistaken, just yet. I mean, he's probably going to be. Let's be real. Um, but just in case that doesn't happen there, um, I think round 12, I think, is the earliest I would go right now on a guy like that because he has it upside. But there's a lot of unknowns with that still. So I, I think that's a pretty solid um, avenue for a guy like Callaway. So, yeah. All right. And so let's start over to the wide receiver sixes. Uh, the top half, I just split them into, you know, this is kind of hard to really give them real tiers at this point of the uh, in the in the AVP in terms of wide receivers. So this tier involves Emmanuel Sanders, Randall Cobb, Jameson Crowder, Sterling Shepard, Jacoby Myers and Rashad Bateman. It's not a great tier. Honestly, it's a tier you probably want this nothing. Ugly. So which which <laughs> of these players, if you had to pick one, obviously right now, would you prefer? There's only two I'm taking out of this list, and it's, and it's the last the two. <laughs> Myers, Myers and Bateman. Um, Myers has true, not wide receiver one, like top 12 potential, but wide receiver one on his team at least. Um, and then Bateman, like with the injury, if he comes back sooner than rather than later, then you're, you're getting – the one of the best rookies in not the best situation from a, a quarterback standpoint, but from a volume standpoint, he should see a ton of volume if he's healthy. Um, so really just got to get Bateman back from injury and, and Myers, like we've seen his connection with cam. If Mac Jones ends up winning the team, there's still like their three wide receivers are him, Aguilar and Bourne. And to me, they're all kind of the same level of player. Like, I don't really see them having a, a world-beater wide receiver. So just off of volume, I think Myers will, will get you some decent production here. Um, Sanders, I got nothing. Cobb, it's a great feel-good story. I'm glad he's back with the Packers as a Packers fan. But I swear, if you hurt my Amari Rogers shares, I'm I'm gonna be pissed. Um, 
Crowder, like, is he even still with the Jets? Because I haven't he's heard anything about him he's in Cam the Jets. He, he or anything he's his contract to stay there. Um, and then down. Sterling Shepard is the wide receiver three on that team behind uh, Galladay and Darius Slayton or Kadarius Tony. Yeah, I think you kind of summed them up pretty good. I mean, the first three I really want nothing a part of, honestly, yeah. in fantasy this year. I mean, they're just – they are what they are at this point of their careers. It's not something that – there's no upside in any one of their games, I don't think. Yeah. I don't, I mean, Cobb is – you know, I don't, Cobb is never, was never a guy who was a you know 1,100-yard wide receiver consistently enough. And even when he was in Green Bay, Sanders is 34 and fighting with many targets in that offense there. Uh, you know, Jameson Crowder, I mean – He's someone who hasn't been able to stay healthy either. And uh, Elijah Moore has been a guy who's been trending upwards, taking over possibly that slot role, at least before midseason, if that's even the thing. Uh, Stumbling Shepard, he, he's just a guy, honestly. Just like kind of Russell yeah. Gage, the lower-tier Russell Gage. He's like, he's always injured, but like there's times where he can be decent for you. Yeah, just, but when you draft great. him, it's like, ah, he's like a bi-week replacement you pick off all waivers because you know his matchup is kind of good that week because Kenny James. Yeah. Darius Slayton's and Evan Ingram's all probably hurt one week. Um, so that, that's kind of what's selling Shepard. He's not a guy I'm drafting. Now, Jacoby Myers is, is an interesting guy because he's 24. He's still young. I mean, uh, people seem to really like this guy. I mean, he had zero touchdowns last year, zero receiving touchdowns last year. So you'd have to assume that's there's a progression. to go up, right? <laughs> yeah, it has to go up but somewhere there. He had 700 yards. I think it was something like that. Uh, there's, there's rumors that Mac Jones might be starting week one now. Uh, and that could benefit him in that terms because Mac Jones will throw the ball if he can't. If he can't, that's basically what it is. He's not going to run like Cam Newton's going to run. Yeah. I get don't know still, but uh, if that's the case, I mean Myers has an opportunity to maybe see close to wire, at least solid wide receiver three numbers or flex options for you most season. You're getting him at a huge discount right now. Yeah, uh, definitely a good target right now. Uh, Bateman. Again, I've never been a big fan of the Ravens' offense. I don't care who's there. I know Bateman has a, a, a great talent to his game. That's why he was a first-round pick. Uh, but, again, I'm probably just staying away from him, especially if he's missing multiple weeks. Unless you have an IR spot and you like the talent enough, then take a shot on him. Obviously, there could be something great out of him. He could be that, you know, Justin Jefferson everyone's trying to push for. But um, I don't, I don't be, know if he'll be Justin Jefferson level. Um, no. because, I mean, we've been spoiled by rookie wide receivers. I, I, I can't remember if you and I talked about that on the potathon or not, but we've been spoiled by rookies, especially rookie wide receivers lately. Oh, yeah. um, but Bateman presents a different type of talent that Lamar's never had, really. He's right. had Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown, but never had a receiver that can really run routes and work the middle of the field like Bateman can. Um so I think again, if if Bateman gets healthy, that talent and ability to get open with his route running will s- tremendously help Lamar and that offense flow a little more. Um, so I, I think, based on price, you could end up with a really good player. He's just got to get healthy first, right? And I think if you don't have an IR spot, draft him Bateman isn't something you have to do because I feel like at some point in the first few weeks of the season, owners overreact at times and they just drop them. They're like, you know what? I don't, I need a producer right now to help me win because everyone wants to win early and Bateman could end up being on your waivers, you know, by week four or week three, whatever it is. And he's, I think he's due back in the beginning of October or maybe even sooner. So 
if you let you have an IR spot, kind of hold off if you can. If you want to draft him off the talent, go for it. I mean, you're drafting him in your last few rounds, and the potential of him having wide receiver numbers is there, obviously. So um, it's not a bad play to take right now. So, All right. Uh, we're going to take a break from the wide receivers for the moment because I forgot about the news completely. <laughs> <laughs> so I figured the news is pretty big stuff going on here because the next couple rounds, again, these are your end of your bench wide receivers at this point. So um, obviously the biggest news over the last couple of days has to be Travis Etienne out for the season. Um, pretty, and pretty, pretty, pretty sad to see a guy, especially a rookie who a lot of people seem to like this year, kind of fall off the cliff. Uh, not fall off the cliff, but get injured. And obviously he's out for the year. Uh, I'm in a 16-man league. I took him as my RB2. Didn't realize it until this morning, so I cried a little bit in bed. But I have Christian McCaffrey, so he's basically two running backs at this point. So I'll take okay. it. So I'll take it. So well, Especially uh, in a 16-team, like that's almost a cheat code. Exactly. So, uh, Shane, you know, obviously ETN's done. But where do you value James Robinson now? Because obviously Robinson was an amazing story last year as a rookie running back. But obviously he's got some maybe competition now in Carlos Hyde. Maybe you could say Um, he's got maybe a couple carries here and there. He may lose, but he looks like to be the main guy again. You know, where are you valuing him now moving forward? Well, according to my model for my dynasty rankings... I'm apparently a lot higher on him than I thought. And this is even before the ETN injury because um, that's got him at uh, Dynasty RB13, um, which I, I may need to tweak that. We're just, let's, let's just be honest. That. I may need to tweak that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he was RB7 last year um, because he was the only guy. And I could easily see him – off of volume being a top 12 guy again. Um, I Carlos Hyde doesn't, doesn't really worry me um, because I'm pretty sure he's like 30 or 31 and the RBs dec- start to decline at 28 and typically their decline is a lot sharper than it is in, in wide receivers. Um, so that, with that being said, like Carlos Hyde's 30 or 31, what do you like – I don't really see him being able to produce that much. I don't really care that he has that connection with Urban Meyer. Um, I don't trust Urban Meyer as far as I can throw him. But now that ETN is is out, he's. I, I feel like he's got to go with James Robinson simply based off of talent. Um, and so from a value standpoint, I was trying to look up where his ADP is. Because it probably hasn't been Robinson. Yeah, it looks like he's going RB twenty three fifty one overall. So that's what middle of the fifth in a twelve teamer. Mm, yeah, that's about right. So that I mean, that's probably a pretty accurate spot. Um, honestly, I'd be comfortable now with ETN being out, taking him in the fourth, third, or even fourth round. Um, because we know what his production is. He was RB7 last year, like I stated earlier. So if you can get him in the fifth, rock and roll, man. But if you if you need some RB help, I'd be willing to take a shot on him a little earlier than ADP says. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same page. I just adjusted my rankings, I think, this morning for the drafts this year. I think at RB15. 
again, that could end up going higher uh, before the season starts. But I feel like it was a nice, just a nice uh, floor right there to have him at because, I mean, he's going to see production. He's going to see the receiving work. Uh, you know, Carlos Hyde had that one season where he was, you know, I think he had like 70 catches and, and Kyle Shanahan's offense. But um, after that, you don't really see him catching the ball ever. James Robinson can catch the ball and do things with it in the backfield there. Uh, again, he's going to see enough production, I think, that you're going to be pretty happy about him. And I'm I'm taking him now, I think, over guys like J.K. Dobbins and Dave Montgomery because of his receiving value that I think he can present in this offense here. The offense has gotten better. The old line yeah. had gotten better. Remember, you have uh, – a possible franchise quarterback now in this offense here that's going to help open up the passing game that maybe Gardner Menchu could never do, and that's why they're you know, he's the backup now. So that could also help him a lot too. Um, and the offense is going to be a little bit better than it was last year, and he should be able to see better running lanes and you know just see that reception value that he was going to lose, but now he's going to have there this upcoming season here. So yeah, um, again, I I like him in that round three or four range right now, and again. J.K. Dobbins, I love J.K. Dobbins, but uh, James Robinson, he has the receiving value. I think that Dobbins isn't just going to get this year that we all want him to. So, No, that's a, a really good point, and especially with the offense getting better as a whole because, like, last year they had to run it through James Robinson. This year they don't have to, but when they do, he's going to have more open room because they've got, a, like, an underrated part of le- – trevor lawrence's game is he can run the ball so they're gonna have to account for that they've still got to account for chark visca and marvin jones and then james robinson so like i really really think that's a good point to bring up is like as the offense gets better his opportunities will get better and hopefully easier um so yeah taking him above dobbins it it makes sense it's tough but it makes sense um, but like I was looking at fantasy pros and then I closed the tab like a dodo bird, but like Gaskin and Kareem hunt, I think were the two guys directly in front of him. I would take him of, over both of those guys in a heartbeat. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. Uh, let's talk about some other guys. Maybe like Chris Carson, Deandre Swift. Would you take him over those two guys? Carson? Yes. Swift. No. Okay. Okay. So we get a feel where you're kind of at there. Again, end of round three, beginning of round four is where he's kind of going right now. And I think uh, you're getting yourself a pretty solid RB2 in fantasy right now if, if that's the direction uh, that you want to go because he should see the volume that keeps him very fantasy relevant this coming season here. So Yeah. All right, all right. So let's go over the next part of the news here, something that hit this morning, which was kind of interesting. And a lot of people had a lot of different opinions on it. Uh, Sony Michelle got traded to the loss of well, Los Angeles Raiders for a fifth and sixth round pick that it can be turned into a fourth rounder. I Rams. think if he does something, if he plays enough or whatever it may be um, this coming season here. And, you know, Adam Scheffler tweeted, I think at some point that he's going to, that he can win out the starting job uh, in this offense. And then, you know, people always still on the Henderson train. Um, where are you at on this situation here? What do you think Sony does to this Rams backfield now? Uh, Sony does to this Rams backfield what I thought it was all the time anyway. I wasn't really in on Cam Akers totally, even pre-injury, um, because to me, McVay is a running back by committee guy and kind of plays the the hot hand similar to how Shanahan does in San Francisco to where I didn't really know. And I, 
I like I think Aker's talent is is clearly significant or superior to Henderson. But it just seemed like there was still going to be some kind of committee there, and so it was I was hesitant to pull the trigger on Acres, and then he got hurt, and and then it was Hendo's backfield. But with them drafting Acres when they did, they've still got uh, Xavier Jones and yeah. and Jake Funk, and <laughs> and then they trade for Michelle. So like. This backfield is just cloudy and and murky to me, and Sony just kind of completes that picture, if you will, um, to where it he's not re- like I don't really want anybody in that backfield. I I don't know who's going to be the pass catching guy. Don't know who's going to be the first and second down guy. Um, don't know if it's going to be a Henderson week or a Jones week or a Michelle week. So it, it's not our backfield. I really want any part of. I like I like the take there on that. Um, for like me, you know, I think Xavier Jones and Jake Funk are kind of just they're just pushed out at this point. There, I yeah. mean, if they really liked Xavier Jones. They, I don't think they would have traded for uh, Michelle into that extent. A guy who's got first round talent in his game still there. Um, so I think Jones and Funk are kind of more waiver wire ads. God forbid something happens to one of the other two, which could very happen this season. So keep your eyes on, especially Xavier Jones. I think if Henderson or Sony goes down, Jones will step up in that offense there. Um, Henderson definitely takes a bit of a drop. Uh, I still think him as a, like a low end RB two. I think I had him over guys like Sanders and Gaskins at one point, but I think he's just below those guys now uh, in that range. Cause I think he's still oh, I would have taken. I do not like Miles Sanders, but he still to me has more of a volume guarantee and Gaskins same thing. Like I, I don't believe the, the whole of coming out of Miami that, they're going to use three, three backs. It, this is Gaskin's backfield for sixty-five percent of the snap share, and so I, I want Gaskin. Um, I would take Sanders or Gaskin over Hendo pre Sony Michelle any day of the week. Um, I'm on the same now, boat now. <laughs> and, and now, well, now that Michelle's there, like that's it's way too obvious. Exactly. Well, I say Henderson or Edmonds. One more time. Henderson or Edmonds. Ooh. I'm still going Henderson. I, I the offense. I just uh, I have to go Henderson. I, I'm going to go Edmonds. Four twenty-five range. I'm going to go Edmonds simply because I I think he's going to get the pass catching work in that offense. Okay, I respect it. That could be possible for sure. Um, let's see. Where was I? Uh, like I said, I, I like him as like a low end RB two still. Honestly, I think he's still going to see close to two hundred carries this offense. Uh, Sony and Michelle. He definitely puts himself into some kind of value situation now. I mean, yeah. I don't think we were talking about Sony Michelle as a draftee at all the last two or three months. But now he puts himself in that bottom tier all, right after all the top handcuffs. He's like right after that. It's someone I think you can draft now and will have value in this offense here. Like Shane said, it's going to be somewhat of a committee approach, and I think he will have value as long as he can stay healthy. He looked pretty good so far, you know, yeah. this uh, training camp and preseason. So hopefully maybe this is the year he can – Finally put it all together in this offense here. Um, but back over in New England now, um, where do you have Damien Harris? Does he Ooh. rise for you with that or no? I mean, that's I'm a, saying no. That's a good question. I don't know if I will. I would raise him necessarily, like actually bump him up in the rankings. Um, but what I probably would do is be a little bit more likely to draft him. Um 
It's a good pick. Maybe, and I like Harris. So, like, it's not like I wasn't drafting him before. Um, but I might go half a round earlier than his ADP and and take him now, uh, because you can still get him super super late. So with with that in mind, that like with drafts coming up this weekend and, and next weekend before the NFL starts, like yeah, I would take a shot on on Harris as an RB two RB three, um, especially if, like. If you go zero run, if you go zero running back, Harris is a good is a good shot that you can take because um, I think you can take him eighth or ninth round, maybe tenth round, in superflex. And if you, if you go that route, and he's I think he's kind of locked in now for a, a decent amount of volume. Now a, a deeper shot, and you you might have been ready to ask me this, Ramondre Stevenson. Now, his value, I won't say it significantly soars, but it definitely goes up because now he he's kind of penciled into me as the RB2 in that offense um, and will probably honestly be kind of a, a touchdown vulture, which may piss off Harris owners. But, uh, yeah, I, I really like that. Um, and then people forget about James White. Like, James White's still there. He'll still be a PPR monster as long as he's healthy. So, but yeah, I, I back to your original question. I don't think it necessarily moves Harris up the rankings, but it makes him a lot easier to draft. Right. I think I'm on the same boat as you want to say. I think you can be confident in drafting Harris at this point now, instead of like, well, I like his upside, but we don't know what's going to happen in this offense here. I think you can pretty much say like, yeah, I'm cool as my RB3. I, I can live with that. I think he will produce for you at least week in and week out or a flex option, whatever you want to call it. Totally. Um, obviously, hopefully, Mac Jones does maybe start week one. That'd be really great to start his uh, season off there in Miami. Uh, James White is just going to be James White. I mean, his, his role, I don't, he doesn't change. He's, I don't think Sony was vulturing uh, receptions from him. I think Sony's had like 11 receptions in his entire career. Uh, so I wasn't worried about that. But I like you brought up Stevenson. I think that. That becomes interesting now because I think that if something happens to Harris and he's been injured a little bit over his career now in the NFL, uh, Stevenson, again, it's, just, it's preseason, so don't get overhyped over the situation and going nuts. Yes. He could provide somewhat of a league-winning mentality late in drafts if something happens to Henderson, um, Henderson uh, Harris, uh, because I think he could produce as a three-down back or close to it, a, a strong two-down back, if giving that situation. So... Um, I'm more intrigued to want to draft him now in that later those later rounds before and then maybe he wasn't being drafted. I mean, your second the last pick or whatever. It's definitely interesting now because what happens if something happens to Harris? So yeah. that's kind of why I see Stevenson at this point now. Yeah, love it. All right, so let's see what we got here. Um, a couple, like I said, Adam Trotman, we talked about him already. Avoided a major injury, which is good. Steve Sins Jr. signs with the Bills. Trevor Lawrence. Ooh, yeah, I didn't see that. Oh, yeah, it just happened today. Steve Sims Jr. signed with the Bills. Uh, could be something for Cole Beasley, maybe. Uh, Trevor Lawrence named the starter, finally. We all saw that coming. But, uh, Did you last- see my uh, my horrible dad joke about Cole Beasley's nickname? No, what was it? <laughs> Colvid Beasley. <laughs> <laughs> that was good, yeah. That was good. That's definitely a dad joke, man. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, and the last thing, guys, this was interesting. I mean, it, it could have been, it was a little bit of a surprise to me. Uh, but Teddy Bridgewater was named the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos here. Shane, how do you take that situation? Are you, nah, that was, that was going to happen. Um, does he keep the job? Does he keep the job? I have no earthly idea. Um, like, I don't know. Vic Fangio is kind of an idiot. If you ask me, um, I saw something where at his press conference, he, uh, he said there wasn't much separation between, um, between the two. So they went with Bridgewater. And to me, if there's not much separation, um, shout out to Christian Williams, C Williams NFL. He said this, if you don't, if there's not much separation, then you go with the younger guy. And I completely agree because, to me, we still don't know exactly what Drew Locke is because he didn't come in until late into his rookie year. He played maybe the first eight or nine games last year and then got hurt. Um, no, he played two games and got hurt. Well, it was two games? He started, he started two games and then got hurt and was out for, like, I think, three, four weeks. And then, you know, you had those uh, Bryson Ripken in there at one point and shit. Yeah, so – to me, like you got to figure out what Locke is, and in preseason, just doesn't do it for me. Like you got to throw him in real game situations with his full offensive line, full playbook, full healthy wide receiver core because he didn't have that last year either because Sutton was out after week one. Um, so yeah, I just think this is a stupid, stupid decision. Um, it makes sense because Teddy B isn't going to make those erratic decisions that Locke will. But to me, like you can work those out of a, a young quarterback and the rest of the team is so talented. Like why not have a guy that can give you a shot to actually score 30 versus Teddy B who's maybe going to give you a chance at 20 and when you've got Patrick Mahomes and uh, Justin Herbert in your division, you need to score 30 a game. And I don't see Teddy B hitting those, hitting those numbers. So. Right. Right. And like I said, I, I agree with you. Honestly, I think it's a, it's a bad decision. I mean, he, he's basically trying to play it safe at this point. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, we've seen him. He's not a bad quarterback. He's not a bad quarterback, but he's not a good quarterback, honestly. Uh, he's just okay. And you saw last year with Carolina, he had the weapons around him, but he couldn't compete with that division. I know the defense wasn't as good, but uh, it's a similar situation with a good defense. Now you have this offensive talent, but you're giving the guy, you know, a Ford instead of a Lamborghini, not a Lamborghini, but something that's just really like, air, like I don't know how to describe Aaron, uh, Drew Locke, but Drew Locke can air the ball out. That's what I'm trying to say is that you're not getting that from Teddy. You're getting safe plays. It might help Jerry Judy. So here, I I got you, Stephen. You're getting a a Toyota Camry with Teddy Bridgewater. I like it. With Drew Locke, you've got you got a Ducati. Okay, I like that. Good good comparison. Now the Ducati is clearly not as safe, but damn, it's fun. Yeah. 
where with Bridgewater, you know, like it's a safe, reliable car. You're going to get 25 miles per gallon in, in town, maybe on the interstate, get 30. Um, but, but you know what you're going to get with that Camry with the Ducati though. It's like, there's freedom, there's fun, there's adventure there, but you threw the keys back to the salesperson or whatever, like, give me the, the Camry. And it's like, the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> I like it. I like it. That That's a great comparison right there. So, uh, yeah, hopefully hopefully Drew Locke maybe starts at some point. I feel like he has to. If they're, if they're struggling to throw up points in the first month of the season, don't be surprised Drew Locke gets back in the starting gig, honestly. Uh, so I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is on a heavy, long lease. I think it should be kind of short, and we'll see what happens with that. So, uh, well, that's honestly what I thought it was going to be if Locke started. I thought it was going to be um, Locke was going to start maybe the first four games, but was going to have a really short, short leash, um, and then Teddy B would come in. But so them starting Teddy B is just like a complete and utter curveball for me that I I just don't understand. Um, Nate's right on that. Do you think? I don't know. I think think, it's true. I don't know if it's him being a defensive coach that he's leaning conservatively, or that he thinks the team itself. uh, And I saw this in in the tweet too that the team itself is good enough without the quarterback that they could maybe make a playoff run. And the the game manager aspect of Teddy gives them a safer shot at that. Whereas if you you start Locke like we've talked about with his erratic throws and erratic decision making, if Locke throws three picks in a game, you're out of that game. And if he does that too much too often, then you're out of playoff contention, and and Fangio is getting fired. I still think he's going to get fired because. This team is like, yeah, they're good as a team. But like I said, they've got Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes in division. They got to play them both twice. And if you don't have the offense to keep up with that, then you're not like, you're not making the playoffs at all. And that right there is just like case in point that I think you should you give Locke a shot. But that's just me. No, I mean, he's trying to save his job. I think he's, he's leaning to that conservative side. I mean, he, he's a defensive coach. He knows his defense is going to be good, and the Broncos' defense is good defense. Yeah. They have a strong run game. They have their weapons. They just need someone to just not turn the ball over and play a low-scoring game consistently, and I think that might eventually be his downfall if he doesn't switch to Drew Lock at some point. But, again, we'll see how it turns out for those Denver Broncos. So. But uh, those are the rest of the news that I missed early on in the episode because I was excited to talk about some wide receivers. So uh, let's get back to the wide receivers now. Got a couple, two more tiers to go here. Uh, and this is the bottom half of those wide receiver six here. And this is the Rondell Moore, Sammy Watkins. Uh, I can't remember what Brown that is offhand. John Brown. Uh, John Brown, thank you, yes. Braylon Edwards, Nelson Aguilar, and Christian Kirk. Shane, what are this tier you like? I think you already told me one, but. I actually like a lot of this tier. Um, the one person I won't touch in this tier is Sammy Week One Watkins. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I like Rondell Moore. Um, I've been joking all offseason that he's the best running back on the Arizona Cardinals team. Um, yes, I know he plays wide receiver, but he's he's the best running back on the team. Um, so I think they're going to be creative in getting him the ball. 
and um, they should be because he is a very ta- very talented player, um, probably pound for pound the uh, strongest player in the NFL um, just because he's short and, and stout and, and, and strong. Uh, Sammy Watkins has potential, yes, but my trust factor with him is like through the floor of my house right now is how little I trust Sammy Watkins. Um, John Brown... Uh, he's all right. Not necessarily someone I'm going out and drafting, but he may be worth a dart throw. Um, Brian Edwards, I'm scooping him up wherever I can. Um, because if he stays healthy this year, he's got really, really decent upside. And then Aguilar is almost similar to, um, uh, the, 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 the Jacoby Myers where, I don't really know who's going to be that wide receiver one on that team. It could be Myers. It could be Aguilar. It could be Bourne. Um, But they're all kind of the same talent level, I think, and do different things. Um, And we finally saw Aguilar not drop the ball. Um, So who says he can't be the wide receiver one on this team? And then uh, to kind of answer Nathan's question, Christian Kirk is – I don't know. I think he's kind of the odd man out, unfortunately. Um, just because of, of Rondell Moore being there and A.J. Green being there. Um, well, you know my thoughts on A.J. Green, but I still like Kirk, but I'm not really drafting him just because the situation is so... Um, murky's not the right word. Uh can't think of the word but it's just it's not it doesn't look great because there is so much so much more competition there now um that i don't know if kirk will will see volume enough um and aj green does affect that nathan but again he's to me he's got to stay healthy if if he's not healthy then uh rondell moore and christian kirk could easily go to the moon um i think and, and you're getting them as a steal so yeah, I think we're all. I'm also on the same page with that. You know, AJ Green is obviously as long as he's healthy, should get targets. He, he's going to get more targets, and I think both more and Kirk maybe sometimes more takes more. I, I just think Kirk, like Shane said, is kind of just the odd man out of the situation. I just don't see him seeing a lot of targets unless someone gets hurt. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he hasn't done it yet in his NFL career, and now you see this team get AJ Green a vet and a youngster and more, and you've seen them grab two wide receivers the prior two years. So there's a situation where like the team just doesn't believe in Christian Kirk's ability yeah. to stay healthy or produce to the level they want. So for me, I think Kirk is just a guy you don't really want to go after. He may be a midseason pickup if something happens, but um, yeah. And with more, yeah, he's interesting. I, I'd love to take a shot with him because I'd love to see what they, how they use him in this offense. That's the thing. That's like the key factor when you think of Rondell Moore is that, He's going to be used in different ways in this offense. It's not just clearly a wide receiver. He may get in the backfield. They might they might let him all over the place. Uh, and so he's definitely in this area of the draft, late in your rounds. It's definitely worth a shot. Sammy Watkins definitely don't want any part of. John Brown, I, I really don't want any part of John Brown, honestly. I mean, he's he always gets hurt at some point during this, his season. Uh, I, I just I think the offense is going to run through the young guys. I think he was just brought in as a veteran presence there to have in that wide receiver core that they didn't have already. Yeah. They have a lot of young guys. They have Edwards. They have Ruggs. They have um, uh, Hunter Renfell. 
So they had a lot of young guys. So having a, just a presence in there, I think, will be good for them. I just don't think John Brown's fantasy relevant. Aguilar, he's just a guy, honestly, to me still. I mean, yeah. he had a nice rebound season. Um, but, again, he's that why he's in this, he's in this tier for a reason. And I think it kind of just makes sense right now. Edwards, he has an opportunity to really take the next level. Obviously, a lot of people liked him last year. It didn't work out, unfortunately, you know. Uh, but he's being raved by many people in camp. By uh, you know, he has an opportunity to really take that next step. And I think in this part of your draft, as your five or six wide receiver, he's worth the shot because if he doesn't produce off the first few games, you know that it's not going to happen. If he doesn't see five or six targets back to back games or something like that early on, you just cut him at that point. But he's worth the risk because he could end up producing as their wide receiver one over rugs. Maybe not over Wall in terms of pass catchers, but as they're yeah. one this coming season here. So I like him a lot. And over to the final tier of the wide receiver sevens now. This has basically all the young guys here. And this is Amron St. Brown, Terrence Marshall, Jalen Rieger, uh, Nico Collins, Gabriel Davis, Traquan Smith, Kadarius Toney, Alan Lazard, and Darius Lane. Basically all guys under 25, I'm pretty sure, or 24 at least. Um Who's your favorite out of this group here? Ooh, my favorite is easily Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, the way I've been kind of projecting Detroit's offenses, it's going to be TJ Hawkinson, target hog number one, DeAndre Swift, target receiver number two, and then we don't really know. And Amon Ross St. Brown is such a talent that he could very easily be the wide receiver one on this team um, and be that Cooper Cup role for Jared Goff in Detroit. Um, so, yeah, I absolutely love St. Brown. Um, but all of these guys are really – like if you can get a couple of these guys on your, your squad later in your drafts, um, I'm I'm all over it. Like even Rager, I'm still in on Rager. Um because he's looked pretty decent in, in camp. Nico Collins, that team's going to be really, really bad. The only thing that makes them potentially better is if Watson does play, and that brings Collins' value sky-freaking high. Um, he jumps like he, the two tiers. If, if he doesn't, that team like there's no one else outside of Brandon Cooks on that team that's worth a darn. Um so I would, I'd take a shot on Nico Collins, um, Gabriel Davis. I really like. Um, unfortunately, they just keep bringing in veteran receivers to kind of stick over him, and so um, that's concerning to me. Traycon Swift, we talked about earlier with uh, with Callaway. I think he's going to step into that wide receiver one role for the team, um, but not necess- But his production may be limited just because he's going to get doubled. Tony, I have no clue, man. Like his draft capital is is gorgeous. Obviously, he's a first round pick, but everything I've seen is like his attitude and his work ethic has just been absolute garbage. Um, and that that scares me, um, especially in New York, like. That media will eat you alive if you aren't doing what you're supposed to and, and producing like a first round pick. Um, so I'm, I'm concerned about Tony. 
I'm not going to give you my true thoughts on Alan Lazard other than I'm not drafting him. Um, I'm just going to leave it at that. Slayton, I love the guy. Um, I'm an Auburn fan. He's an Auburn alum. Um, I think Galladay coming in actually helps him because he doesn't have the pressure of being the wide receiver one on the team. And he is, he's got the talent. He's just got to be used correctly. And even in his college career, he wasn't used correctly because Gus Malzahn's a horrible, horrible coach. Um, so it, it's really going to – Slayton could could be a steal, honestly, with how late you can get him um, because I think Galladay's presence helps him. I mean, it, it helps the whole team, but it helps him and it helps Daniel Jones to where Daniel Jones could have a significant rise in value – um, I'm not, I, I want to be very careful here. I don't think that it's going to be similar to Josh Allen's rise, but the same type of effect, if you will, like mm-hmm. Daniel Jones taking that next step could very much hinge on the fact that Kenny Galladay is there because when you saw Josh Allen get Stefan Diggs and have somebody that's always open because he's that technical of a route runner that made Josh Allen's game go to the next level. Galladay isn't the same type of receiver as Diggs. Not the same route runner, not the same separation. Typically a a 50-50 guy. But that threat of that talent level, I still think helps Jones' game go to the next level. And that opens up the field for Slayton. Tony, if he gets his act together, Sterling Shepard if he's healthy. So yeah, I, I, and then Marshall, like I didn't even talk about Marshall and he might, he has the potential to be the best one out of this group. Um, that room is that receiver room is just crowded. Um, and will it will de- depend on if Sam Darnold is the same Darnold that we thought he was when he got drafted or if he's the same Darnold that we've seen in New York. It's a great way to put it there. Um, and if he's somewhere in the middle, then Marshall has decent value but not as good as it could be. Right. I think his value could have gone up if, say, Robbie Anderson or DJ Moore, one of those two weren't there. You'd be talking yeah. about him as that like, wide receiver sure. five range. Um, but Terrence Marshall, again, he's a, he's definitely an upside pick. Um, maybe something happens in this offense here where they get things kind of going. I mean, if Teddy Bridgewater can make you know almost three wide receivers fantasy relevant, I mean, I know Chris McCaffrey really wasn't there, um, but maybe he has That's a chance a to <laughs> that, that, that's definitely a big part probably why i mean he has a chance still uh we'll see how that works out i'm not like going out of my way to get him but if he falls to me and I, it's like you know what i'll take the shot and see what happens that's kind of how i'm viewing him this coming season dynasty is a great value um and you know i'm on st brown i mean you're looking at it uh you know perryman and williams can't stay healthy they're veterans we know what they've been able to do in their career at this point which isn't uh, much, honestly. Not, like, it's not at all. <laughs> that's why I'm so excited for St. Brown. Is like everyone's like, well, don't forget about Perriman and don't forget about Tyrell Williams. And it's like, why? They haven't done anything to make me be like, ooh, Detroit has a bona fide wide receiver one on their team. Like, if they do, it's St. Brown. Right. Right. I mean, Perryman had that one stretch of games where he was amazing with Winston. Outside of that, it's been nothing. Uh, Terrell Williams had one good year in L.A. or San Diego at the time. He had one decent season with the Raiders at one point where he had like six straight games with a touchdown and then got hurt. 
So, I mean, they, they haven't been reliable for you. I mean, you have Cephas, who it seems like he's on the borderline being cut possibly this year. Oh, I just that, that sucks. Today. <laughs> yeah, it would suck if that happens. Um, so, like, it's St. Brown is an obvious choice here to go after late. Uh, Rieger, like Shane said, he, he's still a first-round pick. There's so still spark there that he could end up playing very well still. So it's worth a shot. Uh, big fan of Nico Collins coming out of the draft here. And, again, if you think that Watson plays – and even if not, I mean, there's some value there. It might not, again, it depends obviously if Watson there. It makes it more or less, uh, but he's definitely worth the risk late. Uh, if you guys haven't listened to me all off season up through now, I mean, I love Gabriel Davis a lot. Uh, I, I'm really expecting him to take that next jump, even with Sanders and Cole Beasley sitting there. Um, I, I think eventually youth and talent wins when it comes to this wide receiver core in Buffalo outside of Diggs, obviously. So, I'm obviously drafting him as my seventh wide receiver all day if I can. Uh, Trey Quan Smith, again, again, he's always just been a guy, kind of a guy. Again, if he's going to see the double coverage of the number one wide receivers and that uh, NFC South got some pretty tough guys there, um, I'm not really looking to draft him. Uh, he's just a floor play, I think, if anything. Tony, I probably won't touch him, honestly, as I just don't know what you're going to get from him, and there's just too much in this offense here. Uh, he's not like Rondell Moore, where we expect Rondell Moore to be very active. I don't know what Tony's going to give you. He hasn't really played that much this. He hasn't practiced that much this offseason either. So if he really knows the playbook and his attitude right now, isn't something I want to be near. Yeah. Um, Lazard, he had his opportunity. He lost it, unfortunately. That's all I'm going to really say. It's uh, Slayton, uh, Shane. That's, uh, I liked your your take on Slayton there. It's definitely an option for sure. I'm just concerned that Kenny G doesn't stay on the field enough games for him to not see the number one coverage consistently enough. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there might be games where he goes off, but I think it's less than what we hope for because I like his talent. I just don't know if the if he's going to – he's a wide receiver too. He's not a wide receiver one. I think that's pretty totally. obvious. Uh, it just depends if Kenny how much Kenny G plays this year. And he's already hurt, banged up. So it's definitely scary to want to draft him. But the upside could be there for sure, so – I like that a lot. And then one last take before we let you go for the night. Just give me somebody outside of the top 72 that you might want to throw a shot at. Oh, well, yeah, I, this is complete homerism. Um, it's also a, a dynasty dart throw. Um, it's Seth Williams uh, out of Auburn. Again, I'm an Auburn fan, so I, I will own my homerism here. But he had first-round talent. He's got undrafted attitude. Um, and that I think that is why he fell to the sixth round to, to Denver. Um, but here's why I think from a dynasty standpoint, he's worth a dart throw. And like I saw uh, my co-host Fox tagged me in a clip where um, he had a catch in the preseason and he had some really good yak. And that was not what he was really known for in college. So that was really encouraging to me as well. But here's why from a dynasty standpoint, he's, he's worth the dart throw Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick are both free agents after this season. So then the Broncos wide receiver room could very easily, if they don't bring anybody in, which they could, but if they don't, it could very easily be Jerry Judy, Seth Williams and KJ Hamler. And that's a pretty damn good, like that's a ton of upside in that wide receiver room for, for 2022 and beyond. Um, Seth is like, 
the reason I, I believe in Seth is because his athletic profile is, is unmatched. He, if he ran a four five forty, um, which again, it's not burner speed, but it's fast enough in the NFL. I think T Higgins ran a four five hell Keenan Allen ran a four seven. Um, so he, he's got speed, but then if you throw him a jump ball, I've said this since I, I started watching him. If you throw him a jump ball, it's not a 50, 50 ball. Typically, it's going to be a 60, 40, 70, 30 ball in Seth's favor because he's six foot three, 218, and can jump. So that right there to me gives him the potential to get on the field, especially in like red zone situations and, and things like that. So if, and, and one of my favorite pl- plays from him last year was where he completely bullied a Kentucky corner and just like grabbed the ball literally like, Kentucky corner's head was here. Seth just grabbed it up here and just took it from him. Um, so Seth is, is my ultimate diamond in the rough um, just because the, the first round talent, but six round draft capital and, and not great attitude. So just got to see that attitude and that work ethic show up, um, which now that he's being paid, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that it does. Um, and especially since he fell, that he's going to be like, okay, I got a, he's got a chip on his shoulder, and he's got to prove people wrong. All right, I love it. Nice time on the rough there, that's for sure. All right, guys, uh, we're going to wrap things up tonight, guys. Uh, we did over our wide receiver tiers part three. We gave you an amazing dynasty in the and diamond in the rough kind of sleeper there. I like that one a lot. I did some uh, Seth Williams take. I, I liked his ta- his tape a little bit there, so like that one there a lot. Uh, Shane, uh, before we let you go, let, let everyone know where they can find you again on social media and, you know, anything you want to bring up right now and your guys' stuff going on. Yeah. So, um, again, follow me on Twitter at FF Shane B follow the collective FF underscore collective K O L L E C T I V and then follow the podcast at fantasy nightcap. Um, we actually just added two guys to our staff, um, really three that are going to be doing betting content for us. Um, so Chris Bugsy, and, or I, I don't know what his, his, his full last name is, but we call him Bugsy. And then uh, Varen, I don't know Varen's last name either, but he's Brown Stauskas on Twitter. They're going to be handling our betting content, and their first uh, video came out this week, uh, Collective Cave where they're going to help you guys hopefully win some money through through some betting um, and, and prop bets and things like that. So make sure you like it and, and subscribe to our YouTube page, uh, Fantasy Football Collective. All right, guys. So if you haven't done so already, please do so and check out their great work we got over there. Um, as always, guys, please go check out our website at www.thefantasycoach.com. Uh, you know, we got a couple cool articles going on up there right now. Um, some things to look forward to during the season. I mean, we're getting close to the season. We only have about two off-season episodes left before we really hit in the high gear for week one. Uh, some special things coming down the line right now. We will have a Strictly Dynasty only during the season episode where we'll talk about some college players to look out for, some, you know, just in general Dynasty things through the season. Uh, we'll have an assistant coaches show, uh, kind of a mix of a lot of cool different things here that uh, we got two guys contributing on to that. And our normal, you know, two days a week podcast. So we're gonna have a uh, Sunday through Thursday kind of going for you, and maybe Sunday, yeah, Sunday through Thursday going for you consistently. So uh, check that out during the season. We'll be posting some things uh, in the near future about that. So 
Uh, we thank you guys for listening. As always, please go check out our website, our website, our Twitter page over at Coaches Fantasy. If you want to follow me, you can follow me at Coach Stephen P. Uh, so, and tune in until next time, guys. We'll be back Monday talking some more dynasty, some dynasty stuff now. Um, and so, until then, guys, have a great one. The back is not far fetched. We got a couple of clock hands. I've been feeling super duper. How the heck they know the future? Come with me, don't be a loser. Grass is green like pooper scoopers. Clueless analysts don't do the half of this. In fact, I'm backing this by asking if y'all remember that tough act interacting. Shh, like boom, running like zoom. The highest and mightiest entered the room. High off the knowledge, I'm feeling the fumes. All players cover this nuts as legumes. Opponents are doomed, and these are the facts. I keep it 100 like I'm running track. I listen up. Jack, I'ma head back, back to the blowing up, blowing up, blowing that go.